Shroom for Two, Episode 7, The World Series of Jelly Beans. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Shroom for Two, Episode 7, uh, the only Plants vs. Zombies Heroes podcast that has to be done before Game 7 of the World Series. I'm Taylor. And I'm Mike, and it's about an hour away until first pitch. It is November 1st, the beginning of No Brainy November. That's right. I uh, am going to pledge to not play any brainy zombie decks on the ladder at all for this entire month. And Mike is doing the same. Yeah, I think the game knows my plan and is messing with me because I, I woke up to a quest of win a game with a brainy zombie hero, and I refreshed it, and it was do 20 damage with huge Giganicus. But not today, Satan. Uh, I mean, I'm still going to, like, if I want to get in a game, like, in a random battle or whatever, you know, I have no qualms playing Brainy Heroes against the bots. Oh, yeah, what you do by yourself doesn't count. Exactly. I am not going to subject anybody on the ladder to Brainy Heroes for this whole entire time. And I won't be playing on the ladder as much anyway until the ladder resets because I hit Legendary. Congratulations. Yeah, I am uh, I'm excited. We're going to talk about the deck I used a little later in the show. It's uh, It's a good one. So there was some news this week. EA fixed that bug that was preventing people from being able to log in uh, that's been around for a long time since the iOS 11 update, I think. And uh, to make it all up to us, we got some free packs. So what did you get in your free packs, Mike? I had the jackpot. I didn't realize we were getting more than one pack. So I was really surprised when I opened up an interdimensional zombie and a Captain Cucumber. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, I just got some super rare that I forget what it is. And then, you know, like 600 sparks. Thank you for this and for fixing that horrible bug that I hear was just pretty scary. Yeah, it got me. I was uh, my my app would crash and then I wouldn't be able to log in, and I hadn't like signed into uh, an EA account or anything, and so I was really worried that I was going to get uh, screwed and lose all my uh, all my cards and stuff. But thankfully, I uninstalled and reinstalled the app, and it has worked fine until now and didn't lose anything. Good news. Uh, so. We've only got two pieces of listener mail this week, which uh, maybe people didn't see our post as much, or maybe they they mistook my uh, suggestion that if everybody keeps sending us more and more listener mail, that we'll have to spend the entire show doing it as a signal to not send any listener mail. That is absolutely not what I meant. We love to hear everything that you guys have to say. Um, So please send us some uh, listener mail at shroomfor2podcast at gmail.com. That's 2-T-W-O. And, uh, yeah. Maybe we got too good at answering the questions that were sent, and now we're just out of things that need answers in this world. So oh, maybe. maybe we need to dial it back a little bit when we dole out all of these answers to our wonderful listeners. Okay. Next time somebody asks me a question, I will respond cryptically and uh, in a totally unhelpful way so that they have to ask again. So our first piece of listener mail this week uh, is from listener Adam, who wrote in last week, who asks about uh, the evolution mechanic and just whether we think that they they went a little too big on it, whether the cards with evolution on them are a little too powerful. So I think that in general, the evolution mechanic is is okay, like as a concept. You know, you have to lose a creature in order to get the extra benefit. So it's not just all upside. You know. If you have no creatures and you draw an evolution thing, you don't get the bonus. And if all your creatures are good, you have to sacrifice a good creature in order to get the bonus. So it's got a built-in safety valve in a way that a mechanic like Untrickable doesn't. And so I think that that's a mark in its favor. Yeah, I think one thing they could do better in addition to that is put a little more of the good evolutions restricted behind 
a rare tribal upgrade, so only certain kinds of decks can partake in the strongest of the evolutions. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think in our in our first Colossal Fossils episode, we mentioned that Zomblob is really kind of running rampant all over the meta right now. And the fact that it's just got regular zombie evolution means that their board can kind of just look like whatever. And, you know, they'll they'll end up with their giant Zomblob that they can just kill you right away with. Evolution in itself is really strong because it changes what it means to have a creature on the board. But it also changes a lot of the other cards and how they interact with them. Mm-hmm. So, like, Medulla Nebula getting double fires off of that. An unintended consequence of this new mechanic, which I, I like the evolution a lot. Like, I I like the idea of having to sacrifice your board to build up a stronger one and have extra stronger abilities of cards unlocked behind a requirement like that. Yeah, and I mean, that that goes a long way to explain why people are playing, like, Zero Mana Swabby and Mystery Egg in, like, really pushed, like, constructed decks that are winning a lot on the ladder. Those cards kind of suck, um, but they uh, they exist, really, to abuse Medulla Nebula and, and its interactions with, with Evolution. So, you know, um, that is definitely one knock against Evolution um, coming out of the time when it did. There was a, there was a very strong card that was seeing a lot of play that made you mana when a creature entered the battlefield and evolution was a mechanic that encouraged a lot more creatures to be able to enter the battlefield and so evolution is dangerous in that way i think conceptually it is possible to make it work but that maybe at least in the case of zomblob they probably pushed it a little too hard but i do agree it can be scary like it it makes a board a lot less certain so that means that it punishes people who don't know what cards to play around and rewards people who play with uninteractive cards like teleport. You know, once the tricks phase starts, the plant player doesn't get to do anything at all. So if you can do evolution stuff in the tricks phase, then the plant player's ability to interrupt you is very, very limited. Um, But that's only half of uh, listener Adam's question. Listener Adam's second question is uh, what do we think of split P and uh, just in general, what do we think about P decks right now? So Mike, what do you think about split P? Well, I only have two, so I haven't gotten a lot of use out of it, but I really like that as a card. Something that damages you, but also charge your blo- charges your block meter for you is very interesting to me. It's a good way to help game your block meter and give yourself extra superpowers, and you can do some really impressive 16 damage in one combo tricks with, like, Captain Combustible and his superpower and stuff like Great Power. Um, I... I like P-decks a lot thematically. That is one of my favorite kinds of Mega Grow decks to make. I haven't been playing them a lot recently, but I have a couple of Gatling Ps, and I still use my Click Ps now and then, and I, I like combining them with things like Onion Rings. So, But yeah, Split P is very good. It I, I, I like the attitude for it. I like it being a good, fast aggro card, and hey, if you get it off Cosmic P, it has Double Strike. Yeah, for sure. Just from a game design perspective, my favorite kinds of cards are cards that look like they have a downside, but it's actually something that you can get creative with. So last week I talked about fireweed. You know, fireweed hurts itself when it makes the hot lava, so that's bad for you. But hot lava is a very powerful card that you can abuse to do lots of cool stuff, you know, with like hybriding berry and other stuff. And so I think that fireweed is a strong card just like when you read the text of it. Um, but it also gives you a lot of room to be creative. And I think that Split P similarly gives you room to be creative. As some foreshadowing as to the deck we're going to talk about later, 
the deck that I used to hit ultimate rank was a Beta Caratina deck, and Split P is really, really strong to draw off of Beta Caratina's ultimate. You know, on, on turn two, playing a 5-2 with Amphibious and Team Up is extremely strong. And who cares if it does one damage to you? Like, you would absolutely play a card that says deal five damage to your opponent's face, deal one damage to your face. Like, that card would be insane. And that's pretty much what Split P says when you draw it off Beta Caratina's superpower. So, thank you, listener Adam. Our second piece of listener mail is really impressive. Uh, it's from listener Ethan. And uh, listener Ethan writes in with a Brain Freeze pet deck uh, that we'll be linking to in the show notes, along with a very, very detailed write-up about how to play it and what's good in what matchups and and what cards are included to counter certain other things and how to mulligan and all this stuff. And uh, so, uh, listener Ethan, I really encourage you to post it publicly so that other people can see this. This is a really good example of how to how to do a deck write-up. Um, let's talk about the deck. So this is a Brain Freeze pet deck that, you know, does some pretty regular pet stuff. You know, it's got Cat Lady and uh, Fire Rooster and Zookeeper and uh, Hover Goat and all that stuff. But it's also got uh, some some cards from yesteryear that we haven't seen in a while, like Dog Walker. He makes quite a good argument for why all the cards that he includes have been included. I, I looked at his at his mulligan list, and I was really surprised that he had Dog Walker in there. And he's kind of convinced me on it being a really, really good opening play. Because, yeah, sure, it's just going to die instantly or might fall to some removal superpower. But Dogwalker gets in the way of a lot of what aggro plant decks want to do on turn one. Like, you can't play a Forget-Me-Nut into Dogwalker. You can't play Haunted mm-hmm. Pumpkin into Dogwalker. Exactly, and Haunted, Haunted Pumpkin is definitely doing work right now. That aggro Solar Flare deck is extremely strong. Yeah, he gives so to, to run down the list of Dogwalker counters, he says Dogwalker counters the following cards. Forget Me Nuts, Galactic Cactus, Blooming Heart, High Voltage Current, Poison Mushroom, Shroom for Two, Astro Shroom, Bonk Choi, Click P, Party Time, Pea Pod, Umbrella Leaf, Marsh Flytrap, Snowdrop, Cosmos, Pumpkin, Morning Glory, Sunflower, and Primal Sunflower. And uh, those are all cards that are very good to have on turn one. Dogwalker, if you play it on turn one, it's even better than just trading with those cards. Um, if you play Dog Walker on turn one, they oftentimes won't play the card um, and and try to sacrifice something else to the Dog Walker. Um, and so that is that's even better than just trading. It like kind of proactively restricts their game plan. Lots of very good cheap creatures in uh, Brain Freeze pet deck happening, um, and it seems to go a long way towards, uh, as he says, out aggroing many plant players. Yeah, there are a lot of really good low-cost cards in here. I'm a big Fire Rooster fan. Just I, I put that in pretty much every sneaky deck I make. Definitely. Um, the, the Cosmic Yeti is a wonderful late-game card to give yourself a lot of extra value. Hover Goat, while I am still not very good at using it, have had it used against me in some pretty impressive ways. And you can really, if matched up against the right creature, you can get a lot of different buffs out of, out of that one monster. I'm a little uh, skeptical on the Locust Swarm cards the the five mana just kill a guy trick i've used a lot more alien ooze in my beastly decks as of lately but That's a good it, point. it's pet cards so it does fire off of uh cat lady and zookeeper and all that yeah this is a, a very nice looking pet deck and also included that he wanted to show us that uh beastly cards are not quite as bad as we think they are and oh yeah we, we both put beastly at the bottom of the power rankings didn't we we did yeah and you know I wish Bad Moon Rising were a beastly card. 
Because I feel like... It does kind of feel like a Beastly card, doesn't it? The Beastly class has a lot of really good, cheap, early game cards, but it doesn't really have good high-end finishers aside from, like, Zombot. Nurse, Nurse Gargantuar is pretty strong. Nurse Gargantuar is strong, but it is... it. Sometimes it just dies. Yeah, it it is just one creature. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it, especially because... Uh, the best card to hit off Bad Moon Rising is is the Zombot 1000 that sweeps their board. And, you know, having your brainy card where, like, the best possible thing to happen is that you get a good beastly card out of it is is kind of a little thematically less good. Yeah, I, I wish Beastly had, a like, one or two more high-end strong toys to play with. Like, you know, may, maybe Mondo Bronto will will be the, the, the guiding light we need it to be, but uh, until I get one, I can't really vouch for it. I've definitely been beaten by and beaten Mondo Bronto a bunch of times, so I think that Mondo Bronto's power level is probably pretty medium. Uh, but yeah, wow. Thank you, uh, listener Ethan, for writing in with the super awesome deck. Yeah, this is a very nice pet deck, and we'll have to do a pet deck at some point. Yeah, I, I think that that's good. That's definitely a um, it's a new player-friendly tribe as well. Zookeeper is really cheap. Yeah, although back in my day, we got cat ladies for free. That's right. We, that is that is honestly probably the, the rarity shift that bums me out the most was that cat lady got pushed up from a I think even an uncommon to a super rare. Yeah, I, th- um, I think it might have even just come with one of the heroes you unlocked. Yeah, it does. I think you get uh you get one from Brain Freeze, I think. Or the Smash. You know, and that means you get to still get one when you get the hero, but I mean, it's still like that's the sort of card that I think that uh, new players should have probably better access to right now than they do. Do we know if they still get that? Like, it's been so long since I've gotten a new hero. I I don't know if they still get like the same starter deck that they used to or not. Um, they do, and if oh. the if the cards are rarity shifted, um, then they get then they get the rarity shifted version. Like if you get um if you get Spadal right now, you get a a a Juggernaut and a Guacodile, both of which got upgraded to super rare. Oh. Um, and you know, so that's a pretty sweet deal. That's not so um, bad. You know, you still want four of them. You know, like Cat Lady's the kind of super rare that you want four of. Yep. That's a pretty large uh, spark commitment for a new player to make. But yeah, pet decks. Pet decks are cool, and uh, Ethan's pet deck is cool, and uh, thank you very much for sending it. Yes, thank you. So, for the card of the week, we have the last of the spooky Halloween-themed cards, the Frankentar, the 5-mana five 5-5 five five crazy card, a Gargantuar monster that says it gets 1-1 one one whenever a zombie is destroyed. It's a big card that gets bigger, and it's one of the cheaper Gargantuars. What do you think about it, Taylor? I think it's pretty good. I don't think it's going to set the world on fire or anything, but it is kind of like a backwards Valkyrie. You know, Valkyrie wants to be in your hand while your stuff dies. Uh, Frankentar wants to be on the field while stuff dies. Any card that increases its health is a good way to get card advantage because sometimes they'll have to blow multiple things in order to get rid of it. And I think that five mana Gargantuars are quite good just because Gargologist will play it on like it. You can go turn two Gargologist, turn three, that thing. And so, you know, like smashing Gargantuar isn't really anything to write home about, but uh, you get to play it on turn three, and it's going to be bigger than anything the plant player has on turn three. Yeah, I think there's a good Z-Mech Gargantuar deck lying in the wings somewhere with, with this in there, as well as Gargologist and Zombot's Wrath, which you can get off for one, and maybe Gargantuar's Feast, or maybe something that tries to move a little bit faster than that. The advantage of a Gargantuar's like this is that you don't need to wait until you cast Gargantuar's Feast for your big crazy stuff to happen. Yeah, um... 
you know, the, the other 5-5 five, five Gargantuar in that same tribe is the imp-throwing one, which is kind of a nuisance as far as Gargantuars go. It's never been a favorite of mine, and I've always resented all of the lane-clogging you get from the little 1-1 one, one Swabbies, but you know, with evolution that might be different, though. But, yeah, just have the fact that Crazy now has two 5-5 five, five for 5 Gargantuars in his class, like that tribe synergies building there. Um, and uh, lest we forget, Zombot's Wrath, three-mana Gargantuar trick that says deal three damage. If there's a zombie in every lane, deal six damage. This absolutely does not need to have a zombie in every lane to be good. And if you have a Gargologist out, it costs one. And so this is a really tremendous way to protect garg- Gargologist. So on turn three, you can go Gargologist, Zombot's Wrath. Gargologist is definitely... A lightning rod, as they say, you know, when when the plane player sees that, they're going to try to burn a removal spell on it or kill it with a creature. Um, and uh, Zombot's Wrath helps you protect. Um, and I mean, it's a one mana spell sometimes that just deals three to their face, uh, and dealing three to their face is certainly very strong. There's no shortage of ways to protect a Gargologist between Cone Zone and Escape Through Time and the the Hardy Treat. There is another uh, five mana Gargantuar that we forgot about. Um, do you know what it is, Mike? Uh, In, so uh, one of the ones colors. I don't have. Oh, the Probably. E- Easter Bunny. Yeah, yeah Hippity Hop Gargantuar. 5 minutes, 6-4. 6 is definitely uh, worse stats than 5-5, five, five, I think. You know, 4 is going to die to a lot more stuff. Um, but again, on turn 3, it's going to be way bigger than whatever they're doing. And it leaves you a card behind, you know, when it dies. Z-Mech probably has a critical mass of, of good Gargantuars to play right now, like say nothing of defensive end, which we haven't even mentioned yet. Defensive end is still insane, despite the fact that, you know, kind of Brainy has kind of eclipsed Hardy as, like, the zombie faction with the craziest stuff to do. You know, being able to play defensive end earlier than you're supposed to is still going to win you a lot of games. Yeah, I I completely agree here. And Fake Hero is also a really hard thing for a lot of different decks to topple. Like, there are plenty of decks out there where if you drop a fate hero and you have, you know, even half your health, that might be enough to win you the game. Yeah, 610 with Frenzy is is no joke. Yeah. Uh, also, um, also Gas Giant, which, that's nice in that it can kill multiple things at once and, you know, give you the possibility of having a really high attack Frankentoir. Not to mention that it goes to the dome. You know, yeah. kills like when it dies, it deals five to them. Yeah. So this this ended up being more about Zemek than about Frankentar, but Frankentar is definitely a build around me. I think that it will do just fine as like kind of the top end of you know one of those Infinity decks that just tries to play a million dudes. You know, like having three or four dudes on the field and then you play a Frankentar. Like, are you going to kill the dudes or are you going to kill the big guy? Because if you kill the big guy, you're probably going to have to spend a lot of mana to do it, and then you're going to get hit by the dudes. And if you kill the dudes, then Frankentar gets bigger. Um, and so you're in kind of a lose-lose situation there as a plant hero. Um, and any any card that puts your opponent in an awkward position like that is very versatile. Uh, Frankentar also gets buffed up when you fire off a last mission. So when, you, when you destroy one of your creatures, which is kind of synonymous with crazy at this point, I suppose. Sure. But it's, it's a drawback of the class, and this is something that grows bigger whenever you partake in that drawback. Yeah, and that that gets back to what we were saying before about like split P, you know, things that things that look like a downside, um, but 
are actually ways that you can kind of creatively build your deck to minimize the downside and even make it good for you, I think are excellent. And so, you know, Final Mission is another one of those really versatile cards. It goes great in a deck that's trying to be really aggressive. And, you know, by the time the plant players, like, bigger stuff is outclassing your small creatures, you can just use it to deal the last four damage to their face. It's a way of, like, sacrificing a token to maybe kill their bigger creature. It it Um, kills Briar Rose. It kills Briar Rose. Certainly, let's not forget about that. Yeah, so there's just a lot of really cool stuff to go uh, that's going on in the crazy class right now. And I think that Frankentar fits into multiple good strategies that they have. Um, so I think that this card is quite strong. And for the other card of the week, uh, let me pull this up because it's not actually in the store anymore. Yeah, this, this was out in the store last week, um, but uh, we missed it. We didn't talk about it. The next card is uh, Sneezing Zombie, which is a beastly card. Uh, four mana, two, four. It is a party zombie, which is a kind of underutilized tribe. Uh, and it says, plants and the plant hero can't be healed. And when you play it, all plants get minus one, minus one. So I think that an interesting thing about this card is we've seen this card for a while. It was added with the last batch of event cards. So we saw this in like August. And uh, at that time, the heart choke combo was really tearing things up. I think that heart choke had already been nerfed so that it didn't work if it died. But Venus Flytrap Planet definitely hadn't been nerfed yet. Um, and so stopping the plant hero from healing their team a bunch was a lot more important then. And now that has pretty much completely gone away. Yeah. And this feels like a delayed band-aid to a to a problem. Kind of like the uh the extinction event trick that was kind of designed to be a counter to Pine Clone, which, mm-hmm. you know, was a problem of the meta of past. The same thing with sneezing zombie and healing decks. Although giving everything minus one, minus one is not to be scoffed at. That is a very powerful thing. Yeah, in fact, I think it's even before it would have been the more powerful of the two abilities, even if the Heart of Show combo still worked. Um, and so, you know, I think you should look past the fact that Plants in the Plant Hero not being able to get healed is, like, not really that important. The real meaty ability is the second one. And uh, a good way to think about it is Plants on the Ground get minus one, minus one is a superpower. Um, and so... Cards that give you superpowers, like Quasard, are really strong. And so this is a 4-mana 2-4 whose whose stats are not that great, but it also casts you a superpower. And superpowers are all absolutely worth one card. Sometimes you might even get more than one card, like if they're doing a mushroom thing or something, or uh, Go Nuts. Like, this really hoses uh, Navy Bean pretty hard. Yeah, takes out both Admiral Navy Beans in the Amphibious Lane at once. Yeah, no kidding. Um, and, uh, And so that, like, especially, you know, a lot of the good team up plants have one health so like um cosmic bean that sort of stuff so uh i think that sneezing zombie is is definitely a niche card you know you're not going to jam four of them in every beastly deck you're probably not even going to put two of them in every beastly deck um but i think that for a beastly deck that wants to survive long enough to play their nurse gargantuar and you know not get not get like bursted down by pumpkin boy or um, uh, Crow Magnolia, I think that this hits pretty hard. This is definitely a tool for those beastly decks to be able to go late. Things that reduce a plant's attack from 1 to 0 used to be a lot more powerful before evolution, but that still can be a very nice blockade to put in one of their lanes if you have something that charges up or benefits each time it does damage. Oh, something else that I didn't even think about until right now is uh, this card's interaction with Weed Spray. 
Um, yeah. Weed, weed spray uh, is really, really strong, especially if you're trying to get your 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 uh, your beastly deck to go into a late game. Weed spray is already really good at doing that. And one of the best ways to play around weed spray is to just make your team have three attack instead of two attack. Uh, and sneezing zombie cranks you back down. Yeah, that was the first thing that came to my mind way back when we first saw this leaked in a in an upcoming patch was the the seven mana pine clone field wipeout. But yeah. like I said earlier, I think extinction event handles that in a little bit less of a janky way because that is a cool trick. But seven mana and two cards makes it a bit late game to be uh, practical most often. Yeah, I, th- I think extinction event is a good um, similar beastly card to this. You know, extinction event is gonna is like for killing puff shrooms you know and uh this also does a pretty good job of killing puff shrooms and and has a little more versatility in that other way because it kills their navy bean and their cosmic bean yeah i think i think this is a little bit better than extinction event when for handling mushrooms because oftentimes you'll get thrown off based on you know which one of these is a shroom for two and which one's a puff shroom and which ones are tokens from the superpower Whereas this sure. one just hits everything for minus one, which is a, a great way to wipe out an entire mushroom field at once. It's a little gross. Like the animation is like, it's definitely like a booger that happens like on everything. And uh, that's a little bit, that's like a little grosser than I would have expected them to go. Because there's, there's no like blood or anything in this game. You know, they definitely try to keep it like PG. But I guess, I mean, I guess Zomblob is a giant booger. Yeah, isn't Gas Giant just like a giant fart? Uh, that was not my interpretation. Um, let's see. Is there a fart joke in the flavor text? Oh, yeah. The fa- the flavor text is there isn't a fart joke he hasn't heard. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I guess this game is a little bit more uh, scatological with its humor than I expected it to be. But, you know, whatever. So for our final segment of the week, uh, we are going to talk about the deck that I used to get to ultimate rank. So at the end of last show, I was rank 43. And I decided that... I was going to grind my way up to ultimate rank last weekend. Just wanted to play a deck that felt fun, you know, that I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to get burned down if I had to play 30 games with it. And so I uh, decided to play Beta Caratina, who's a favorite hero of mine. And I wanted to play some kind of Admiral Navy Bean deck because that I think is a, is a really fun card. Just like I like to be able to play a lot of beans in the same turn and, and do a bunch of damage and whatever. But I also wanted to play... Galactic Cactus, because that's a really fun card. Um, and I like to, you know, ping my own uh, pear cub and, and stuff like that. Uh, but I also wanted to play, you know, cards like Brainana, where, like, you know, in a late game, they're trying to be fancy, and you slam a Brainana, and then you just kill them. Or, you know, they're trying to have a giant creature that you can neutralize with something like a Sap Fling. Or, you know, you're just barely on the... You're just barely alive, you're on the brink of death, and you play... Uh, Dark Matter Dragon Fruit and Stabilize and end up winning. Like, those games are really fun. So I wanted to just kind of put all my favorite cards into a deck. And so I came up with something very close to what you see linked here in the show notes. It's uh, it's a Navy Bean uh, bean deck that also has uh, Forget-Me-Nuts and a uh, handful of cheap environments, some Planet of the Grapes and Spikeweed Sector. Uh, Galactic Cactus is real good on Planet of the Grapes, by the way. You draw a card when it dies. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised it took me until you showed me this deck before I tried that combo for myself, because that is just wonderful to get that extra card off, off of when it dies. And uh, it's got some um, some other Galactic Cactus stuff going on. It's got Pear Cub. It's got some uh, control cards, you know, so it, uh, it's it got uh, Shamrocket and Doomshroom. 
Um, I have some anti-gravestone stuff. Uh, so I have uh, two uh, grave busters, uh, two grave mistake. And then I originally had uh, a blockbuster in here as well. Um, Mike convinced me to cut some a couple janky cards and the blockbuster uh, to include the four planterns, which I think was definitely the right call. Yeah, when I when I first saw your deck list and you showed me the planet of the grapes and the spike weeds and also a couple of sap flingers, I my first reaction was you have enough environments to run plantern and you should run it because it's awesome. And doing four damage to someone with bullseye is a great way to win a lot of games. And um and then the top end, as I said, was uh, two brain annas, a pop and poppies, two sap flings, and a dark matter dragon fruit. And uh and this deck just won me lots of games. I, I got up from 43 to 48 on Saturday, and then uh, between Sunday and Monday morning, I, I got from 48 to 50. That was when uh, Mike offered the, the Planturn idea. Yeah, this deck encapsulates a lot of what I like about Guardian decks and a lot of the really cool features of Brainy decks as well. Like, you've got a very, very slim bean package, just the navy beans and the cosmic beans, and two jelly beans but mm-hmm. that is enough to still do a lot of damage and have you a lot of presence because you half of your bean cards generate more cards mm-hmm. and brain anna is a a great shutdown i'm a big fan of that i love the cactus and pear cub setup that's been one of my favorite go-to deck construction bits uh i, I think it's really cool that you have two grave mistakes and two grave busters like splitting it up like that yeah and something that's really fun about grave mistake his you uh like with grave buster you just kill it and then next turn they do something else but if you have grave uh mistake and you bounce the gravestone they might just play it again uh in which case you might just get them again and uh and that you know that's not like the strongest thing in the world you're just like spending two mana to hamper them a little bit but it's really really fun to do you know it feels really good to bounce their gravestone and then just like they replay it and then you get them again I don't know. I guess that's a little uh, taking pleasure at their pain, but you know, it's a it's a great way to win games, and it's uh, and it's you know something to chuckle at. It can be um, pretty infuriating if you get the same gravestone bounced multiple times, because sometimes you'll just end up with a full hand and like accidentally mill yourself. Oh yeah, yeah. That um, I uh, I ended up with eleven cards in my hand the first time uh, a little while ago. Um, something got bounced when I had 10 cards in my hand, and I ended up with an 11-card hand. I didn't even know it was possible. Um, but yeah, so speaking of bouncing, the card that surprised me the most in here, I think, is Jelly Bean. So Jelly Bean, I've only got two of them in here. Um, and I only have four other, or I only have eight other beans. But that's totally enough to have Jelly Bean turned on basically every time you play it. And so if you think about Jelly Bean, it's two closest equivalents in the zombie class cards are... Pogo Bouncer, which is a four-mana card that bounces a thing, and Cryo Yeti, which is a five-mana thing that also neutralizes a threat of theirs um, and comes in with five power. And Jelly Bean says, basically, four-mana, four-four, sacrifice a bean to bounce a thing and get plus one, plus one. And so you've bounced their thing, and you have a four-mana, five-five that you might be able to stack up in a lane with another non-team-up thing because you can eat a bean with team-up. So you might have nine power in that lane now that you had like a planter and a cosmic bean, and then you eat the cosmic bean with with jelly bean, and then suddenly you're attacking them for nine. I think that this card is extremely strong. We had a question a while ago about like what are good build around me's to craft if you're if you're 
a new player and you've you've only got a handful of sparks to spend, I think the Jelly Bean is absolutely one of those cards. Wow, high praise. Yeah, and I mean, it, like I say, it's not setting the world on fire, and I've only got two of them in a deck, but two of them is enough to like have won me a substantial quantity of the games I won. Yeah, um, plus with the bean evolution, you can sacrifice a navy bean to play it in a water lane, have a big 5-5. Yeah. Five, five it can end up functioning kind of like Brainana in some ways, because let's say you've got, you've got a lethal attacker, and so they just slam a giant creature in front of that lethal attacker. You can use this to bounce it, and then they're just screwed. Sort of like how they're planning to sweep your board... But with a trick after you play all your stuff and then Brainana just gets them. Jellybean can just get them in the same way. So this deck is super fun. It's not even really that expensive. Um, and I think that um, it certainly served me quite well. There was one card that was in here that um, that I cut at uh, at your suggestion, Mike, that I, that I do miss. And that was I had a Singleton Snapdragon, 4-mana 3-2 that has uh, splash damage 3. With so much team-up stuff happening in this deck, it was actually quite easy to hide Snapdragon behind a turn three team-up plant um, and then get multiple cards worth of, of killing out of the Snapdragon. Um, there's there's nothing that like an Infinity player wants to see more than like a turn three Cosmic Bean or Navy Bean. Um, you know, like that is like definitely too slow to deal with their onslaught of little tiny dudes. And Snapdragon is a tremendous way to, to like to to kind of break serve in that way. And like suddenly you're dominating the board instead. I think that it's like this deck has a lot of one ofs and two ofs. It like wants to have cards that are good in certain matchups and then like just fine otherwise. Um, Snapdragon is definitely one of those cards. So if I was gonna if I had this to do over again, I probably would cut something else that's kind of marginal like. Maybe I might go down to two pair cubs. Maybe I might go down to two forget me nuts um, to try to slot the singleton snapdragon back in there because I think that it is um, it is an underrated card. You have the one popping popping poppies, which is an interesting choice to me. Why did you pick that one? Not all of the of the high end creatures are good against aggressive players. In fact, most of them aren't. Dark matter dragon fruit does have splash damage and does stop you from dying to something like a final mission. But really, most of the stuff that's good against aggro players costs you lots of cards to do. You have to play a lot of small creatures that trade with their individual things. And Infinity in particular, you know, with uh, the Imp Pirate guy that draws you cards and like stuff like Imposter that draws cards um, is really good at winning through that. And uh, Poppin' Poppies not only gains you life and gains you even more life than it says on there because you're blocking damage in those lanes provides team-up creatures behind which you can hide your actual good stuff. And so I think that a singleton pop and poppies is a is a very strong thing to do in a sort of mid-rangey deck like this. Yeah, this is this is a very nice deck. I put together my own uh, my own copy of it and I've played a lot of games with it and it's it's pretty fun to play. And Beta Caratina might be my favorite plant hero because of her superpowers giving you definitely more likely than not an early game creature so you don't have to worry if you don't have anything to play right away like your first turn or two is can probably be taken care of by your superpower yeah definitely like i would not play this deck just like transposed directly into a citron deck you know like citron's superpowers are much more geared to like protecting a combo or or like holding on to a board that you're already dominating um and so it's really good at you know, building up a giant go nuts thing. I think he's probably better at that than Beta Caratina is. But certainly, if what you want to do is 
match aggro card for card and then win in the late game with your better haymakers, Beta Caratina is way better at doing that because of your cheap creatures, cheap creature superpowers. Nothing better than playing a 2-4 Triceratops with Amphibious on turn 3. Yeah, no kidding. Like there, Beta Caratina got a lot of really good hits off of her her ultimate in Colossal Fossils. You know, earlier we mentioned Split P. That's extremely strong. Triceratops is very strong. Fireweed is very strong. You know, you can't make a hot lava in the water lane either. Um, and it's a 4-4 with team-up. That's, like, kind of crazy. Yeah, or Black-Eyed P being a three-attack creature that grows with tricks is super valuable. Re- really, there there aren't a lot of misses in there. You know, occasionally you'll, you'll get, like, the Seedling, which, you know, becomes yeah. a 1-2 and has a really cool attack animation if you ever see it. Yeah, that's it, right. But... You get you get rewarded by uh, being able to see its, like, sweet laser thing that it does. Yeah. Really, the only, um, the only way that this deck kind of really got too clunky... Um, I guess there's two ways. Um, you do have a lot of anti-gravestone cards. So if you draw too many of those and you're not playing against an opponent that's doing the gravestone thing, you've got a lot of dead draws and you might just run out of gas in that way. Then the other thing is um, you do have a lot of creatures that die to your own Doom Shroom, which is really why I'm only running one. Um, so you've got the the token that gets left behind by Pear Cub. You've got the buff Jelly Bean. You've got Sap Fling. And you've got Dark Matter Dragonfruit. And really, once you have a Dark Matter Dragonfruit, you probably don't need to play Doomshroom. But you can definitely have just activated a Jelly Bean and still said, like, oh, well, crap. They have still two giant Gargantuars in play. And I bounced one. I bounced, you know, I bounced their third one. But I'm still facing down two five fives. Um, and so sometimes you can be forced to sacrifice your own creatures in that way. And that feels pretty bad. But uh, Doomshroom is great at getting you out of some pretty tough situations. Yeah. And you're only running one of them, so it's not like it comes up every game you have this dilemma. It's also not super important to include. You know, it's like it's fine. But that's one of the things I like about these toolbox decks that have a lot of one-ups. So, like, if you randomly don't have Doomshroom or you randomly don't have Dark Matter Dragonfruit, it's like not a deal-breaker. You can still play the deck. I like this kind of junky-looking deck. And two of a lot of things is a... Uh... A really fun mindset to be in when building a deck because it lets you pick a lot of different really cool cards you want to put all together, and you've got 4x of the cheap beans and other mainstays, and yeah, this looks really good, and congrats on hitting ultimate with it. Yeah, totally. I'm uh, super excited to get my two extra packs or whatever. All right, well, that's all we've got for this episode of Shroom for Two. Uh, We've got, you know, only about 15 minutes until the last game of the World Series, huh? Yeah, yeah, I need to hurry up and watch that, and um, here's my Game 7 prediction. I think Clayton Kershaw will come out, and he won't pitch that great, but he'll hit a walk-off home run. I have literally no idea what you're talking about. Well, if you have an idea what we're talking about about the rest of this podcast, get in touch with us at shroomfor2podcast at gmail.com, and send us some listener mail. Definitely. Send us some decks you like. Tell us about the decks that we post that you like them or you don't like them. Challenge us yeah. to make a deck out of something that doesn't see much. Yeah, that was that was a fun one from a couple a uh, couple weeks ago. You know, someone uh, someone wrote in and said, "Hey, help me build a, um, a Doctor Spacetime Conjuration deck," and we each took a stab at it, um, and uh, and we got to sort of like debate about the merits of uh, different stuff that's good. Uh, and so that's something that's fun to do. Yeah. Um, and wouldn't you know it, I saw Fry put together a Conjure Neptuna video this week. Nice. Well, congratulations. Uh, but yeah, so um, let us know anything that you want to hear on the show at shroomfor2podcast at gmail.com. And uh, if you like the show, please uh, share it with other people. Uh, bump the Reddit thread, um, post it in your friends, whatever. Like, you know, link it to your friends so that they know that there's a show about this great game. Yeah. Come, come join me in the No Brainy November thread. I'll 
I'll be posting whatever updates of decks I'll be running instead of Brainy Heroes for the month there. Yeah, definitely. I think it would be pretty funny if, you know, someone from PopCap was to see that uh, Brainy players actually are are stepping up off the gas in response to our No Brainy November shtick. And uh, if you happen to be a PopCap employee and you listen to this show, I think that that would be pretty sweet. Um, because uh, some PopCap people have posted on the Reddit to say that they do read the Reddit a lot. Um, and uh, I would certainly hope that someone from PopCap will be interested in listening to the things we say about your game, given that we love it so much. Uh, so if you work at PopCap, please let us know. And this has been Shroom for Two. And until next time, I'm Mike. And I'm Taylor. default file name just always saves it as some guy named Gabo and then the date yeah. <laughs> and that gets a little annoying to edit because like every track is labeled that <laughs>